Howdy. Well, as some of you know, I am, uh, I've got four weeks left, and then I can finally be done with the Harris County job. Whoop! Yes, it'll be great, it'll be good. Um, being split between two jobs can be a bit much. Done it before, glad to get to stop. But um, one of the things with it has been that uh, we've had these workshops going on on weekends and evenings at times, and there was one uh, yesterday as well. Now, a few weeks back, maybe a month and a half uh, or so ago, uh, we had this one particular uh, workshop that we were doing, and it was myself and a coworker. Okay? Now, coworker of mine is, uh, you know, newer at, at urban planning, so still kind of getting used to stuff. Well, one of the things is that I know she's going to have to be the one to pick up the slack whenever I leave, and so I'm making sure that she knows how to get certain things done. Well, the previous meeting, I had almost everything we needed. I had clipboards, I had uh, little uh, uh, doohickeys to give people from our table, I had tablecloth, I had all these things that were needed, but I said, okay, how about you be responsible for the sheets that we need for people to check off the information? It's like, oh, I don't know, I, it's like, it's just one thing, it'll be okay, I'm sure it'll be just fine. The morning of, I get to the workshop, and we're supposed to get there 45 minutes or so in advance to set up, and so I'm sitting there, and it's like, where is she? And it's 40 minutes, 30 minutes, sending a text, what's going on, where are you at? Uh, I didn't know it was this early, and it's like, it was in the email, okay, um, okay, what time will you get there? Uh, I, I, I'll get there before it starts, it's like, that. <laughs> okay, okay. And then even when it gets started, still not there. Apparently got lost in the parking lot somewhere. And I'm just like, what is going on? Finally, 15 minutes after it starts, comes in, and uh, but which, by the way, we were supposed to be giving people information before the event, and what looked over and said, where are the papers? And was told, oh, you had them. <sighs> which meant that every clipboard we had was completely empty, and we could hardly get any information from anybody that morning. As you may have guessed, I was a little bit unhappy about that. So the event was about two hours. Now, the first hour, I'm sitting there kind of sort of seething a little bit. The one thing that needed to be brought and somehow managed to slip her mind. Now, this is all in my head for the first hour. The second hour was pausing to say, okay, God, that's probably not going to be the best way to handle this. What's probably a better way to handle this? So I started thinking through. And so when all was said and done, and basically she had been just sitting there with her head down for the most part during this session, and uh, basically turned to her and I said, is everything okay? Because that's the thing. I have no idea. Maybe something had happened and that I didn't realize that maybe there was some issue with her family or an issue with the car or something that had gone on. I have no idea. And she's basically then saying, I, I know I should have been here sooner. I should have gotten here. I didn't realize I was supposed to have the papers. The thing is, is that at that moment in time, is me trying to go and point out to her even more going to do any good 
And that's the thing, is that instead it was like, okay, why don't we go through some things that might help for the next time? So gave her four pointers about how is usually a good idea, set stuff out beforehand, you know, make sure you have a checklist of what you need, and make sure that you check the timing in advance. So about four different things, and she said, okay. Now, fast forward about a month and a half to yesterday. Now, I was a little bit worried. But on Thursday, I had written out down on my calendar, make sure you gather up everything to give to your coworker. And before I could get up and do it, she found me and started gathering the materials herself. And then on top of it, it's like, do you need anything in advance? No, 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 I don't need anything in advance. Do you know what time we're going there? Yep, yep. Uh, and double check the time. She was there 15 minutes before I was. And then on top of it was also realizing that we had everything and it ended up being one of our best feedback days. The thing is, is that oftentimes when we see when someone has gone wrong, we can end up coming and pointing it out and making sure they know that we saw how they messed up. Or we could ask, how are we meant to help them get to where they're meant to be? I want to use that to bring up the idea of accountability. Okay. Now, accountability is something that we sometimes, we narrow what the meaning is. We oftentimes think of accountability as I need to make sure you're getting things done. I need to make sure I keep you on task. Okay? You need to make sure, and I'm going to make sure that I point it out, and if you slip up, I'm going to catch you. It's oftentimes what we think of with accountability. But you see, accountability is a larger idea. Accountability is saying, I'm personally going to make sure that you get to your best place. I'm going to personally make sure that you get where you're meant to go. That doesn't always come with making sure we scold people or make sure they know how terribly they've messed up. See, the thing is, is that accountability is supposed to involve compassion and respect. Because if you really want somebody to become the best version of themselves, is it ever going to be done without respect? When we had um, the initial parts of COVID that came up, there were a lot of people who had a lot of great ideas about how things should be done or not done. You should be doing this. Oh no, that's not important. What was amazing though is how much anybody on any side of something managed to take the high ground in their minds and think that they were going to show everybody else how much better they were. And it didn't matter what your opinion was. It didn't matter, no, there was always somebody somewhere in there that was going to hold everybody else accountable and show them how they were the problem. And that's not even a Taylor Swift song. With it, though, is that oftentimes our best way of bringing about the change we want to see is by understanding why it was difficult in the first place. Now, that brings us to what we end up seeing with our Pharisees today. See, 
are Pharisees, we oftentimes can end up, you know, stereotyping them and saying, okay, those are the bad guys of the story. Believe it or not, in the people's minds back then, the Pharisees were actually good guys oftentimes. You see, the Sadducees were the ones who were like the economic and social elites. And oftentimes they would expect even higher standards out of people. So the Pharisees oftentimes were more the common man. This was like, well, okay, we understand where people are at. Maybe you're not going to be 99% perfect, but you should at least be 51% perfect. Oh, okay, that, that's doable, yeah. And they were usually more everyday people, not the economic or social elites. The difficulty comes, though, in that even so, it was still making things impossible for the people. See, the thing about the Pharisees is that oftentimes we'd end up seeing that there was a belief that all of their troubles, all of the issues for Israel would go away if everybody could just be sinless for maybe like two Sabbath days in a row. If we could have two Sabbath days where everybody is perfect, then, then there you go. Which, by the way, y'all are totally letting me down. There you go. But with it, though, is this idea of trying to perform, what they kept getting in their head, though, is trying to make sure that they appeared good without asking the question of that they really were good. See, there are a lot of things that end up getting listed in there. So if they end up seeing that, well, you know what? I want to make an oath. Okay? I promise I'm going to do something. Okay? Now, they would make an oath on the altar in the temple. Now, the Pharisees might say, oh, well, that's not nearly good enough. If you're going to make an oath, you've got to make an oath on the sacrifice that's on the altar, not the altar itself. So it's like you're just, your oaths are not as good as mine. Or the flip side of it, if you're like Mr. Pharisee, you made a promise that you're going to do that. They'd be like, yeah, but I promised on the altar. And, you know, that's not as much as the sacrifice. So, you know, there's a reason why I, I can't live up to my promise. So, sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. Or even more than that, they had these things called phylacteries. A phylactery, and no, that's not something to make you regular. Um, what it is, is it was a box that you would put on your forehead and on your arm, and inside of it were these verses, and it was this way of saying, oh, see, I'm keeping the word of God on my forehead and on my arm. And that's my way of showing that I am truly worshiping God. And it was like, I'm pretty sure that's not what they meant in the prophets. But what they do is they would make these boxes as big as possible. And even the little prayer fringes that they would have on their cloaks, they'd make them as long as possible. Because, well, yeah, I know that you're, you're spiritual, I, I get it, but... My box is bigger than your box. Sorry, you're just not quite there yet, my friend. Work on that box. Work on that box. Or they might even try to convert people to being Pharisees, but what ended up happening is all they're doing is just making them feel guilty or teaching them to make everybody else feel overwhelmingly guilty about life. Or pointing out the flaws in others and somehow missing their own. Or they might admit it more passingly, and then kind of brush past it. There might be times when they would tithe, but you see, here's the thing. There was a, it was a term called Corbin. starts with a K, or at least in English it does. With it is that if they promised money to the temple, then it was sort of like, oh, that's my 
tithing. That's my Corbin oath. That's my Corbin testimony. And that would, of course, look good in front of people. But here's the thing. What if their family, what if their parents were older and needed help? Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I know you're 90 years old, but I already tithed my money to the temple, so you just need to go get a job or something. I mean, come on. I mean, what, raising me? I mean, jeez, talk about, talk about lazy, Mom. And the thing is, is that it would create this mentality that somehow they do these things that were super spiritual and they completely ignore the people who needed them. And even beyond that is saying, what about the way in which we appear clean on the outside like a dish, but if we're still dirty on the inside, that's what you eat out of. But you see, whenever someone might come and tell them, in the past, the prophets, whenever they would speak to the king or, or to others that needed to be convicted, and then they might end up losing their own life. Now, the Pharisees would say, well, we're not like them. We would never kill a prophet the way our forefathers did. And then proceeded to make sure that they killed both John the Baptist and Jesus. Well, technically Herod and with John the Baptist, but there was a lot that led up to that point. The thing is, is that we're not always that much better today. Whenever we need to hear something, whenever there is something that needs to convict us, how easily can we just point to somebody else? Did you see how bad what they did was? What about theirs? What about those issues? And that instead of asking, is this actually something that's going to help me, is instead, how do I belittle and undermine the person who said it in the first place? You see, we oftentimes see these sorts of things even in the church today. There was a, there was a movement back whenever I was a, a teenager. I think it, I was like maybe middle school and, and, a, and a teenager. So, you know, back before uh, some of the, our friends on the back row weren't even in existence. Yeah, exactly, back then. And with that is that there was a movement of trying to be so pure in your dating life that some people would even say, you can't even kiss the person until you get married. And I'm just kind of like, that seems like a bit much. Apparently it's a third date, right, that's supposed to be. Uh, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, there, there, there are some people giving me advice that I might need to be watching out for over there. Uh, but, you know, if, they've been, if they're happily married for however many decades, then I probably could use the advice anyway. But with it, though, is the very person who writes a book teaching people about this ends up getting divorced and losing his faith. Or going to Hulu and seeing the Duggar family teaching people how they should be, you know, leading their families and then finding out that their own kids are abusing each other. The thing is, is that it is very easy that we can end up looking on what we can see on the outside and missing what's happening on the inside. Sometimes we can even spend so much time trying to make sure we had a spiritual experience with church or something else. Oh, I felt so good. Oh, I felt so holy. And then walk right past the person that we know needs our help or completely ignore their phone call. Or even more than that, our own way of, I think worship should be like this. Let me make sure I nitpick every single thing 
instead of ignoring what worship was meant to be in the first place, our time with God. You see, whenever something doesn't go the way that we think it's supposed to go, are we taking the time to understand the struggle? See, the thing is, is that when we actually walk alongside people, when we're spending life with them, when we know them, when we get to know them, when we see what's happening, when we're willing to encourage them, when we're willing to be there with them, when they're going through these things, how much better is it that we can then speak to their lives And how much more can we end up sharing something that can help? See, that's what we end up seeing with Paul. You see, Paul, in his letters, he's holding people accountable. He's expecting them to live up to what it is that God wants of them. He wants that. But what is it that makes the more important impression? He wants to know how they're doing. He needs to know if they're okay. He needs to know if the Thessalonians are in a good place. Do they still have hope in Christ? Do they still believe that mercy and forgiveness are theirs? Do they actually still have their trust in God? Or have other things pulled them away? Before we get to any details that I need to try to get on, are you okay? How easily do we miss that? How easily do we... We've got an agenda of what we want someone to hear? Have we stopped first to just see, are you okay? See, that's the thing about what we end up seeing from both Jesus and from Paul. See, the thing is, is that, yes, we need to learn and grow, and we need to hope for and expect the best of people. We want to expect people to grow and to become who they're meant to be. That comes after love and compassion, It's not the place we start. It's the journey through which we travel. Now, I know that there are times whenever we struggle with that. But I had the blessing or a curse of being a teacher for seven years. It depends on the day and the the grade level I was teaching. Um, Seventh grade, twelfth grade, eh, somewhere in there. We had a student that came to the school where I was at. And uh, it was a middle school and high school. And when we were there, um, oftentimes we had openings for the school in ninth grade. And so students that would come from another middle school would come in and and they'd apply. And we had four openings that that year. And there were about 20-something students applying. And there was one student, she was not ready for things. She was nowhere prepared with her math skills, her writing was not where it needed to be, just even herself. We knew that personality-wise, she was not going to connect as easily with some of the people. But out of everybody there, she was the one trying the hardest. She was the one that would make sure that she was writing down everything that needed to get done. She was the one who kept persevering. And I voted for her. I wasn't the only one. She ended up being one of the four students to come in. And I'm telling you, that time that she was there was not easy at all. It was just as difficult as we thought it would be. She struggled every single year, at least into her her junior year. But you see, even then, she ended up needing to take an extra year. Now, 
all of this may even pause and be like, you see, you should have known. She wasn't ready. She couldn't do it. Yeah, okay. At the time. But you see, I remember sitting there and tutoring her in physics. Going into it thinking, dear God, I don't know how she's going to understand physics. But little by little, she started tackling piece by piece. And she wasn't a physicist by any means. But she started learning how to do what was needed. And even though she was held back a year, she ended up graduating and getting, I think it was a full scholarship to Knox College, and ended up going into an applied science field. And the thing is, is that she is, she's doing well. Friendships, success, like moving forward in her life. If we spend our time trying to say, here's the reasons why you're going to fail, and then we miss out on the opportunity to bring a person where they need to be. How many people have we given up on like that? See, see, that's the thing this morning. We have a lot of opportunities to love people. We have opportunities for people to be elders and deaconesses. And we don't call people that here, but it's still true nonetheless. People who have, have, have grown and matured in the faith and know how to look out for other people, men and women. We have a care team that spends a lot of time checking up on people, not just for our prayer list, but making sure is there someone we need to go visit? Is there someone who's started to fall through the cracks? When we were going through COVID and all that stuff, they were already on top of it long before I ever came on the scene. We also even have our small group ministry. But the thing with that is that Sometimes when someone says, oh yes, but that's not a small group, I think sometimes we miss out on what small groups are actually meant to be. Sometimes we think small groups are just, did you read enough scripture? Did you make sure you prayed and maybe you combined for a service project? Okay, those are good. But caring for one another, seeing what we need, making sure we're there for each other, that's also discipleship. That is what it means to be a disciple. Some of you have already plugged into these things. Some of you, we, we hope you will. And we'd love to be able to make that possible for you. Because at the end of the day, sometimes we can easily get self-righteous. I had one of those moments on Monday. It did not go very well. Realizing that even I sometimes stand up and I'm like, you know what, y'all need to all hear me and... Make sure I've said my piece. And maybe it did need to be said. But how often are we really correct in being as righteous as Jesus in what we say and do? So this weekend, we're celebrating All Saints Sunday. And we spend a lot of time thinking about those who have passed away before us and that we are grateful that we will see them again someday but are we forgetting the saints that are already and still in this world with us? Are we forgetting the saints that we still have the chance to spend time with right now? The ones who need us and the ones who need Jesus. Let's make sure we remember all the saints this Sunday. Thanks be to God.